Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano, and thanks for tuning in to the Harpen and Rugby podcast. HarpenandRugby.net is an unofficial fan site for Leinster and Ireland rugby, with write-ups of all the big matches and regular coverage of the latest news and opinion via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course this pod. If you haven't already, please subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts as well as a host of other platforms. So I took a bit of time off from the pod, but I'm back now and there's a lot to harp on. Kigo was on hand to discuss the Scotland match, the Autumn Nations Cup in general, the social media abuse directed at Andrew Brace, as well as Leinster's upcoming trip to Montpellier. So without any further ado, here's how we got on. Now it's time for our back and forward chat, and here making his 12th appearance on the pod is the couch pundit himself, Mr. Neil Kigo Keegan. Welcome, sir. Hello there from Cold Bray. How's, how are things going with you? It's not too bad, actually. We're in the run into Christmas. My only issue is that the temperature has plummeted this week and uh, I'm wearing a hoodie indoors. Um, so, yeah, we need global warming to kick in pretty quick. That's it. Bitter, bit, bitterly cold, all right. As soon as, the, <laughs> as soon as the Autumn Nations Cup is finished, uh, we go straight into winter. That's kind of how it works. Mm. Um, but anyway, listen, talking about that, let's, let's, let's start at the beginning here. Um, we had the Scotland match on Saturday. What did you make of it? Um, kind of head in hands for 22 minutes. Uh, a little bit worried. Um, and then once, once, once we started moving, once we started thinking, once we started doing, we, we strangled Scotland. Obviously, there's one lapse uh, there uh, second half. But it was like 22 missed tackles over 80 minutes, 17 of them in the first half. Like that, that tells the story of what they were trying to do. Um, and I, I felt it was a good, strong finish because Scotland were over here looking for a scalp um, to, to kind of verify where they are as well. And uh, and we and we strangled them. You, you know, you look at over the, the the Nations Cup, which I don't really know what any of us were thinking or expecting in realistic terms, because coming off a of Six Nations where money was needed, that affected team selection for the end of the Six Nations. Um, a lot of injuries coming into uh, into the Nations Cup. So, but you look at the job Porter's done over the, the over the Six Nations um, and Nations Cup. You look at Keenan uh, when Farrell has come on; he's been he's been great. Um, and you look at you know the things he's tried, like Gibson Park uh, has come in up and down. In fairness, uh, and I think if the Georgia game didn't go the way it went, I think if if Georgia was more positive, we would all be more positive now. Uh, and obviously, there's stuff we need to talk about in terms of abusive tweets and later on. But I think overall, I'm you know it's a pass and the leave insert kind of thing. Not, I'm not blown away. I'm not, you know, betting the winter heating budget on winning the World Cup or anything. But uh, the changes are happening. If you look at the squad, the amount of players with 15 caps or less is growing, which is great. Um, and, and again, it's going to take a bit of time because there's obviously massively different philosophies in the big chair. Yes, definitely. I mean, it, it, it was always going to be a... Um, it's always going to be a function of, like, uh, def- defining what the Farrell... Farrell's Ireland was going to be. Um, and, I mean, for someone in his first year in Test Rugby, first year head coaching, full stop, um, it, it was always going to be a challenge anyway. But when you add on to that, the COVID, I mean, I know that's an excuse for everybody, but not everybody was going into a, a big job like this. And mm-hmm. um, the, the, the break, the, 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 the stop and start with the players, um, the injuries, of course, everyone has to deal with injuries. But of course, the other thing as well is that what, what I said in my write-up was that he hasn't faced Southern Hemisphere opposition yet, and he won't until next November. 
So we really, you won't really get the measure of, I mean, most, most uh, test coaches go through their first year with at least one tour away mm. and one set of November matches. He's not going to have that until next November because there's a Lions tour. He won't get his full squad playing Southern Hemisphere opposition. So we won't really know. We, we still won't really know. I mean, of course, everyone's going to have an opinion. Everyone's going to criticize. Everyone's going to, and things will go wrong, and that's fine. For this particular situation, you, I feel people have to be patient because um, he won't properly be tested. I mean, we, we went through six nations. We went through effectively another six nations, and then there's going to be a third one. And this familiarity, you keep playing the same guys on and again and again. You don't really get a full picture, um, especially when the overall um, narrative is that we're preparing for a World Cup. In 2023 so hopefully people will be more understanding about that yeah you're being reasonable though i don't know if there's a lot of time and space for that in 2020 nearly 2021 but no you're absolutely right uh you know I, i'm not too sure if people's expectations were realistic i think people have forgotten uh when when the great joe schmidt joined leinster uh in the upgrade from from a, a supporting coach into the big chair we had a rough start until things started moving uh, and again, I know there was a, the, you know, it takes time. And I think we need to remember that. Um, Farrell hasn't been in the firing line of, of such nonsense probably in a long time. So he's getting used to it too. I love how, uh, how the team are talking in conferences. I know Sexton is a bit marmite for a lot of people, but I love his post-match comments uh, against Scotland, really building that kind of uh, us versus them thing, which in the short term gets, gets the get the intensity up. I just wish we saw it from minute one in every single game. You know, it's a game of skill and all that, but it's also a team-based combat sport. And you need to, you need to start at that pitch because like a better team, uh, you know, a better team would have mangled us in that first 20 minutes and put a big, big score on. And we can't, we can't keep giving, you know, scores away to big teams. Uh, but I think once that changes, we can, we can start working. Absolutely. I mean, the in a sort of a bizarre way, I kind of find a, a bit of comfort in the fact that what's what what's been going the worst for us over the past uh, in this test window was our own mistakes. It mm -hmm. was basically you could find even you know when attacks break down, it's um, it's usually when a lineout's overthrown or mm -hmm. you know someone's not doing not someone's not hitting his clear off correctly or um, you know little basic things like that that's going wrong um and those are fixable those things are fixable yeah. i mean and then what we saw in scotland when we cut those we, we saw what happens when we make the mistakes and then once uh, scotland made a mistake they overthrew a line out that gave us the momentum we, we settled into our game and once that game started going the offense was humming I mean, mm -hmm. either side of halftime, that's when we really hit our straps and we were playing uh, playing the way I think Farrell wants to play, the way he's worked with Sexton, even Mike Cass. They've all been, they've come up with this plan. They got a chance to execute it and they were scoring tries. So we got a, a glimpse. Obviously, you want to see that for 80 minutes at a time uh, for more often. Obviously, you want to see it um, against a better opposition when you're playing the Englands and the Frances. But I mean... I think overall there was a net positive. And the other aspect you got to realize is that defensively, though you could make an argument that the English took their foot off the pedal uh, in Twickenham, four tries conceded in four matches is nothing to be sneezed at at this level. Mm. And um, you're pretty overall solid. And again, in that case, it was only when we make a glaring mistake, like someone not standing at the pillar when they should, that's, yeah. when, that's when the opposition got through. Or when a wonder try was scored. You know what I mean? The, 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 the try scored against us, you could pick through them one by one, and it was, they were kind of freaks. It wasn't a case of 
um, our overall defensive coverage was bad. It was a, it was a, you could pinpoint one thing in each case. And I think that's, there's, there's a bit of comfort in that. That can be fixed. Oh, absolutely. And, and look, if magic happens against you, magic happens against you. These things happen at every level. And you, you've got to hold your hands up and go, look, it, it, I, I just, I remember the, the Conway try for Munster against Toulon years ago. It was the magic that, that got them through. And that happens in, in games. You can't, you can't legislate against that. And, and if you look at the England game again, I know uh, the narrative coming out of that was pretty, pretty ropey. We were in there 22, probably more in that game than the previous game. We let ourselves down because I think part of it is you're going from a structure. You you couldn't put your you couldn't tie your shoelaces without having some sort of SOP attached to that from Joe, uh, which is great if that's the way you're doing it. And now we've kind of gone from tie your shoelaces whatever way you want, and then that that change is a massive change. So uh, so that's going to take time. But if you look like if if, if two of those um, two of those lineouts go well and you end up getting a try or you end up coming away with a penalty in three points, the game changes and then the whole narrative changes. There's a, I think that's a, a big thing coming out of this this year and this COVID and all this sort of stuff. I get that it's tough for everyone, but the narratives coming out of these games, uh, every single game, everywhere, is getting lazier. I, I find it's getting lazier when, you know, burn everything down. You know, um, New Zealand lost Argentina uh, in the Tri-Nations. Even the New Zealand supporters are saying, look, let's reset, let's get rid of everyone. When in reality, you look at what they did the following week. So I think everyone needs to just calm down a wee bit. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think finishing strong was important for Ireland. I think it's important that you see the lads going back to training and getting used to winning again uh, without jinxing the, the weekend, getting used to kind of getting, getting that, that momentum going again. And then we go again. In, it's only nine weeks away. Like, Time, time doesn't exist anymore. You know, we get to put that jersey on again in nine weeks. And with the players coming back, along with the play like Keenan and Porter and the other guys, even the rejuvenated O'Mahony on the wing, like all of this stuff is a positive coming back into the Six Nations. So again, stupid, stupid mistakes need to be eradicated. And I feel they will be. I'm, I'm actually quite positive on a, whatever day today is because time has lost all meaning. Yeah, I mean, what we saw in the Scotland match, I think, was a... Um... I think we saw the best team that Andy Farrell wanted to put on the park that he could. I think he might have had a mm -hmm. ring rose in there if he could have, whatever. But I think in every position, what we saw there was his the, his vision, his first chance mm -hmm. to put his actual vision on the park in a match where we were definitely going to be competitive. I, I compared going into the Scotland game, I compared it to kind of Goldilocks in that when we played Wales and Italy and Georgia, um, the, the opposition was too poor. For us to see where we really were. When we went to Paris, when we went to London, it was too good. But I think Scotland, we were just behind us in the Six Nations. I think they were, they, like you say, they were punching above their weight, but they were they were trying to get ahead of us and they saw an opportunity to get ahead of us. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was really going to be a good test. He put his best team out there. I think they've, it took them a while, but eventually they settled and um, they asserted themselves and got the win. And I think that that's a good sign. Plus, like you say, there's some, we're, we're starting to see some uh, players who are specifically Farrell players. It's not just, he's not just a team he inherited. He has made changes. He's brought people like Quaylen Doris, Hugo Keenan mm -hmm. straight into the squad. And it's, they, they're not just novices. They're not just told, oh, just get your experience and we'll give you more caps down the line. They are there to stay. They are definitely, I can definitely see both of them starting um, the yep. Six Nations in their positions because they've done nothing wrong. They've gotten Man of the Match awards. They've, they've, they've stood out. They haven't put a foot wrong. Um, it's, been, it's been really positive to see players like that come up. And obviously I'm not just saying that because I'm Leinster, 
There's other players as well that can come in and, and do a job in other positions. But those two in particular, I think, are the ones that, that really showed that this is Farrell's team. So like you say, we can be, be positive. There's a lot to work on, but we'll see, we'll see how that goes in, uh, in February against Wales. Yeah, absolutely. Be positive, but be realistic. Uh, my, my worry going into the Scotland game was the, was the back row, even though we've got a million back rowers. Um, you kind of, you're, you're, you're picking Stander and O'Mahony, who you know what they're going to do, um, you know, uh, and, the, and the third back row is going to break a tackle every time. Now, I said that going in, but then you see O'Mahony all over the pitch again. Not, the, the number on the back of his jersey didn't really count he was he was everywhere and i think if and he had the tank to do it which was which was amazing so i think he, he's been given more freedom as well um and so my as soon as we got to the half hour mark uh, any any questions going in i were were eradicated based on what these players were doing they were it wasn't the strict you're stuck in a box and you work within your your little area or a zone or whatever you were able to play as you see um, and, and I was really, really happy to see that. Uh, and then as, as long as we're all realistic moving forward, like there's no reason, you know, there's no reason to be scared of England, in my opinion, because you know what they're going to do. They're going to execute better than you expect. Much like Ireland under Joe didn't reinvent the wheel. We just executed far better than the opposition expected. And that's a shock to the system. But England will do that every time. And you know what they're going to do. I know. Magic may happen, um, as did happen uh, against us, but there should be no fear of that white jersey because we got in their red zone and we could have, we could have put a big challenge up to them, but we just didn't do it. So, you know, things like that, they're good to have in the back of the mind next time we see them. But um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to it. Nine weeks, you know, it's not that long away. Definitely. And uh, just in a more general aspect, I mean, this wasn't your average uh, November uh, series of rugby. This was uh, this was an actual competition. It was an Autumn Nations Cup. They had two pools. They had a final. Yada yada. What did you make of all that as a as a sporting competition on its own? Is it something we could do again, or is it just a once-off for this year? I loved it. Anytime it's a real competition with any sort of real medal at stake, it's really really. It adds a lot to it. I know November is great, especially if you put a big win on a Southern Hemisphere team. Uh, but this was a competition. Uh, and again, if you could add in, you know, again, timing and all that, I, I think if they were able to make a world calendar where you could have a South Africa or someone in that competition, um, but it's important to get teams like Fiji and Georgia in. Uh, I know Fiji were, were decimated by COVID and they don't have the funding. And obviously, they, you know, uh, that, that was unfortunate for them, but they did get a game in at the end. Um, and I think that's really important too. If we go into a Six Nations and, and, they, and you've got your Italy, Georgia, um, Fiji, and other doing their own tournament in November for, for, the, for the last place in the Six Nations, that gives them extra competition, which would be ideal. Um, but I, I, anytime there's a competition and not just a fixture, even though there's no friendlies in rugby, I thought it was great. I'd be, I'd be delighted to, you know, once everyone is healthy, go to go to the Aviva next year for a real competition. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, it was, ended up being a sort of a compromise on what they were planning. I mean, if, if, they, if World Rugby got their way when Bill Beaumont took over, they, they, they would have a World League in place by now. So there'd be something mm -hmm. similar, um, or obviously without the COVID as well, that, that would have been happening now. Um, so like you say, it's good to see like games with, with a bit, with something in stake in them mm -hmm. um, at this time of year. I don't know how they'll do it if you include with eight clubs and then with only four weeks to play with, 
I don't know how you'll include the, the big four um, from, from the South, as well as keeping the smaller nations like Georgia and Fiji happy. But if, they, if, they, if there's a way they can do it, they it'd definitely be better off and you know keep this competition going a little while longer mm. and um, have something something to play for in November. Um, now, just just on just as a sort of a tangent to that, uh, we had the final there on um, Sunday, mm. where uh, England came from behind and got 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 a try literally at the last second and went to extra time and then eventually won it. Um, but uh, there was a bit of a after unfortunate aftertaste. To the match um, involving the referee, there was mm. there was a bit bit going on in Andrew, Andrew Brace's Twitter accounts. Yeah, uh, and 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 this has been an, a really serious issue over the last six months. And I guess we start off by saying, look, COVID and lockdown is rotten on everyone's mental health. It's tough for everybody, but it's turning a lot of people into. Uh, it's a family-friendly podcast, so let's let's keep it nice. Uh, bad people, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's really really damaging people and how they interact with other people. They think social media, you can say anything to anyone without consequence. Um, you know, social media has made people far too comfortable saying things to people because otherwise you, you would get a slap if you said that to someone in real life. Um, Stuart Hogg's brother was on um, during the week saying it's just gone beyond the beyond. It's okay to have, you know, everyone has an opinion, everyone gets upset, uh, everyone gets annoyed, but it's all about how you verbalize that. And people have started tagging players and officials and clubs in their tweets. And that is, this isn't football where there's a lot of money there and there's management teams controlling people's social media. It's like Ronaldo never sees his Twitter. You know what I mean? Whereas Stockdale reads his Twitter. Stockdale's mates, his family, all this sort of stuff reads his Twitter. Andrew Brace is a referee, <laughs> of course reads his Twitter. So you, you're, you're, you're affecting people's lives in a time where their lives are already affected. And, and people think that's okay. So uh, obviously it's not. Uh, if, if any of these people met Stockdale, they'd be asking for an autograph. They would never say any of this stuff in front of him. And you've got to remember that he, he, in that case, he's a kid. He's 24. Andrew Brace, he's, he's a good referee, tough day at the office. He was not supported by his officials. Uh, and and that's, that's a bigger, I think that's another issue that needs to be dealt with officially, if you like. But it doesn't give anyone the right to go after an official, to go after uh, a player or a club or a competition. Uh, and I think it's up to the people obviously listening to this podcast and anyone who's in a forum who spots it or hears it to tell people to shut up or report them online because this is not the whole, you know, it's an honest game. It's a great game. It's a combative game. Let's keep it there. There's no need to abuse people online. We should be better than this. Yeah. And your point at the end there, I think is the, is the, is the most important one in all this, because um, the fact remains that uh, there, there's a, the vast majority of people who would go on Twitter and uh, get involved in the discussion. They do, they do it properly. They do it, mm -hmm. um, you know, sensibly, they do it tastefully, they, um, but they're not afraid to criticize either. I mean, I, I believe mm -hmm. it's okay. If you think someone's having a poor game, you can say so-and-so's been poor, blah, blah, blah. It's not a good day for him. There's, there's a million different ways. English language has got loads of different ways mm -hmm. um, to, to do it. You know, you can do it without being that. And the, the, the problem with these people um, 
the, this minority that that comes with the abuse, especially the targeted at abuse, um, that, that, that it sends a message to those who don't tend to use social media that that's what social media is like. The social media yeah. is, is, is just, oh, it's all abuse, it's all foul language, it's all whack jobs, conspiracy theorists, that's all that it's, it's, it's absolutely not true at all. I mean, you, you don't see it, you don't want it, it's up to us to call it out, but still encourage people to come on, come on and do it. I mean, you say it's a family-friendly podcast, but my, my message, the simplest message I say to anyone coming on is, don't be a dick. Hashtag TBAD. That's it. That's that's the simple message I can put it. Say what you want, but don't be a dick. I really spat my coffee out there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's. I, I think that's how we should all be living. Especially, like, you know what I mean. I, again, this whole thing hanging over us, it, it is affecting us. But it shouldn't change you as a person. It shouldn't drive you so angry as you would tweet a stranger. And that is what these people are. I know social media makes us think because someone likes a tweet, you know, that, that we're friends with them. We're not. We need to be grown-ups. Um, and there's, you know, if you wouldn't say it to someone's face, don't say it hiding behind the keyboard. That's the end of it. And if you were stupid enough to say it to someone's face, you will be called out on it. But, you know, the stuff that happened to Brace over the weekend is horrific. Even some of the stuff that's happening to Eddie Jones after winning the competition is insane. You know what I mean? England in that game, in that final, showed the Leroy D that I didn't know they had because it was put up to them by a really savage French team that they've been building for two years. And that's, that's, a, that's a massive thing coming out of this competition. England showed they had balls. France showed that they have been building. That was their second string team. They've been building. They're a massive threat now going forward. I know they looked into the 9 and 10 and all that sort of stuff, and there's a gap behind them. Separate issue. They're performing right now, and they, they, they frightened England um, far better than, than, than we did, for example. But there's no excuse to, to tweet someone. You would not say it to Eddie Jones's face because you know what would happen to you. You know exactly what would happen to you. You know, just because Jacob Stockdale is too nice to give you a slap, Eddie Jones will give you a slap. Mm. You won't say it again. So, you know, and I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm just saying, you know, if you, if you were good to say, if you would confront someone the way he's being confronted, there would be a reaction. And most people, 99% uh, of the people would tuck their tails and run away. So let's just be nice to people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if there's, I mean, there's different ways of dealing with it. I mean, it's the, what you definitely shouldn't do is ignore it because uh, it's, it's always going to come. But um, I think if enough people respond to them, I mean, obviously reporting, reporting these people is important. The, the Twitter mm -hmm. has a report process. You don't know 100% if they're going to act on it. But uh, I think with some of the, some of the specific abuse that these guys have been getting, surely to God, there's some kind of yeah. action has to be taken, but also just on a on a popularity level. I mean, if enough people just call these people out and and just show show them up for what they are, don't don't engage them in a fight because that's going down a rabbit hole. Just mm -hmm. it just takes one tweet. Um, you know, that's not on or whatever. You can say whatever you want to them. Let them know and then report them and then just move on and then ignore them. Um, that's, it's pretty much the only way of handling it. Because like I say, uh, the, in general, the vast amount of people are, they're discussing the match. They're, they're getting, offering constructive criticism and we don't want to prevent people from being able to say, listen, I've nothing, nothing against this player. He just made a mistake there. I'm nothing against this ref. No one is ever going to agree with the ref. 100 yeah, yeah. it's, percent it's, it should be okay. There, there, there's some that go on Twitter and says, you must not question the ref at all. And that's, that's just as ridiculous. I mean, mm, yeah. you don't agree with the referee's decision, you call it out. Or if you think a ref's making a string of them, um, you can say it. But there, there's ways and means of saying it. So hopefully, hopefully that, that, that eventually 
these commenters, these nut jobs are never going away. This, uh, this abuse is never going away. And like you say, it's not even legitimate reasons, but with COVID, we're all cooped up. We're frustrated. Maybe it's going to, and maybe there's a bit of alcohol thrown in. Um, yeah. It, 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 gets, it, gets, it gets a little out of hand. But I think the important thing is, is that A, it's dealt with, and B, um, it, it's not allowed to define the, the realm of social media as it is. Because media, it is a medium. It's just a means of communication. If it, if it was by telephone, if it was by email, if it was mm. by any other way, that's all they had. That's what they'd use to do the same thing. It's nothing to do with the actual thing itself. There's plenty of decent people that use it properly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we, uh, we had a few late kickoffs, which obviously affects the amount of booze on board. And like if this was, you know, in the, in the good old days of two years ago and we're all out at Lansdowne and we end up, you know, having a pint afterwards and someone, someone is talking like this, it's shut down in seconds. It's out of their system, whereas they're in their living room. No one's listening to them. And then they just, they just blast out on social media. I just think it's, um, yeah, let's just, let's just be nice and, and kind of start from scratch. I think that's the key. Like you say, don't be a dick. Um, you know, people have bad days. Uh, I think, I think uh, the thing I try, try to do, and I don't do it all the time, but I try to do it. I apply the Eddie O'Sullivan principle. The best thing he's ever said was switch the jerseys. Is it still a penalty? Mm. So, you know, for example, the knock on, on Sunday, uh, England, France, switch the jerseys. Are you going to be as vitriolic? Most of the people won't because they got away with it because it's their team. But because it was done to them, that's when the problem is. It's like, it's like a Thierry Henry, hand of God, switch the jerseys, I'm going to the World Cup. You know what I mean? So uh, switch the jerseys before we go on the Twitter. Definitely. That's, that's, that, that's a good creed to live, to live by. Okay, well, moving away from the internationals now because we barely have time to draw a breath after the test mm. matches before uh, we're back into Europe. I mean, we're used to... Um, we're used to no internationals in the season before Europe kicks off. Um, what usually happens is we've got a September, we've got the, uh, it's kind of eased in uh, with, the, with the second team. And then when it comes into October, we get a big match against Munster at the Aviva and we put the full team out there to prepare. This time, we don't, we're not afforded that luxury. Nobody is. It's a totally different mm. competition. There's a totally different lead up. Um, we, we've got Montpellier away, away to France. Um, to, to kick off. So what do you reckon Leinster's chances? I, I love it. I love that we've had basically three competitions where the, the frontliners are gone and Stuart and Leo have been building this. There's another three or four teams sitting there. Uh, you look at what Frawley's done in the meantime and how he's stepped up when he's had the shot. There's so many players who have, have really stepped up. And I think now um, with, the, with the guys coming back and they're hungry to play, they're battle-hardened, they're bruised up, they're angry. I think it's going to make, it's going to give Leinster that kind of um, competition, I guess, internal and external that they may not have had up until the business end of Europe in previous years, with all due respect to our Pro 14 brothers and sisters. Um, and this is going to be a, a really big moment in the season. Montpellier are no joke, even though they're not performing massively well over in France, I think the bottom half, bottom quarter of the table, you're kind of four or five games from, from, from where they are to get to the top three, four. So um, I, I think if they can get the selection right, I think Stuart and Leo have a really big opportunity when you've got Sexton hungry to play, you've got Ryan hungry to play, Porter hungry to play. These are three leaders coming back in to sit there with the guys who have helped the team go forward, uh, in, you know, in basically the third, for the third time this year. Uh, so they're going to they're going to have a great team to go out. I think a lot of youngsters are going to get 
big game time again. And mistakes that have happened in previous years won't happen again. And that starts this weekend. Definitely. I mean, um, I'm reading some articles. Rory O'Connor in the Indo today basically said, oh, the whole thing's set up perfectly for Leinster. Like they're, 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 they're starting firm favorites. There's, there's no Saracens. There's all the big teams are in the other pool. All mm. this, all this, and kind of really setting us up for that, 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 that we're going to go on. And that's all great, whatever. But I mean, as Leinster fans, we have to be realistic. Um, uh, you know, they've had a great start to the Pro 14 season. I like the way they've. Um, They've, they've been able to bring up these new players. And like you mentioned Kieran Frawley, the interesting thing about him is that, um, you know, you were also saying earlier about Joe Schmidt and the way he was very rigid. and what, That rigidness would extend to the provinces. And I don't know if Leinster would be able to play someone like Frawley at 12 um, at mm. the same time. He'd want, uh, you know, I want a crash ball player at 12. I don't want anyone creative there. But meanwhile, but when you have Farrell picking those crash ball 12s, you've, you've got Lencer uh, showing not only, a, they did, we haven't only had Frawley at 12 uh, being creative, we had Jimmy O'Brien doing it for fullback. Mm. That all this, uh, Lencer's able to play the way they want with the players they want them and it's able to, to bring us on that way. Now when they reassemble to play for Europe, you've got, you know, um, the thing about this year's format is that there's only four matches. So there's basically mm -hmm. their cup finals. And not only that, you're in a pool of 12 teams. So, and you only get to play two of them, which means that there's nine clubs. You've got no control over what they're going to do. So you just have to focus on your match. And each game is like a cup final. It has to be won. There's none of this. You can't be going over to France saying, well, you know, we'll be happy. It's the first game. Come away with a losing bonus point. How many times have we said that over the years? First game away mm. in France. Get a losing bonus point. You're grand. No, that's, that's off the table now. They've yeah. got to go for wins in each and every game, which is, which is good to see. I like that approach to matches. But it is a, it is a challenge. And, it, and, and Leo and his team have a week to, um, to integrate the test players back in. Um, reward some of the players that have done well in Leinster's perfect start to the season and uh, get them together for a team for, you know, like you say, it, it, it'd be easier than playing than other French opposition, but a lot of them would have been rested last weekend as well. So um, that, that could balance out. So it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, I, I, I don't know when the team is selected, but that's going to be the big, uh, the big part of the week because you've got, um, like, it's, it's actually frightening. And, and I think it's important that, you know, Leinster supporters don't get used to this. But like, the, the team, the squad that's been built, you could put 15 leaders on the pitch and you could put, you know, leaders as subs there as well. You know, uh, obviously the, the worry, the big worry is Furlong. I'm getting a, a, a really big whiff of, um, of the he slips off him in terms of the injury. It's, it's getting a bit worrying now. Um, and obviously the less that's said, the more questions are asked, um, which is worrying. And then you've got Conan, you've got with a neck injury. Um, and... Some of these injuries are a bit worried, worrying, excuse me, for me. Uh, but I think in general terms, you, you know, for every, for every furlong, there's a porter, you know, that's kind of the, the way they've built it. So I would be, I'd be delighted if they kind of had, um, you know, maybe, maybe three quarters of the starting 15 are, are, are the team that has, has gotten them through the start of the Pro 14 with the leaders on the bench to come back in because we know they're ready. We know they've been bruised up and calloused up and, and, and full competition ready. So there's no worry about that, easing them in, if you like. Um, and and that's, how, that's how I would do it, but I'm on the couch, not in the big... I don't get a free tracksuit. I have to pay for mine. Uh, yeah, the... Um... The uh, the team's going to be announced at uh, twelve o'clock on Friday, and um, mm. the uh, I, I say we have to be we have to be wary going into the competition. But you know that haven't been said. 
we it has the Leinster approach over the past couple of seasons since since things have really taken off after under Leo and Stu is that we play like we're expected to win. We're expected to even be champions. I, that you know there's no um, there's no excuse for mistakes, and that, that that's the standard we set for ourselves. Very similar. Um, it's a very similar approach. You've got Dublin and GAA, uh, Leinster and rugby. It's a very similar uh, outlook that you see them play. All fans of all the other teams hate it. They think, you know, it's an arrogance. Is this, that, the other? Oh, we need to change the competition. We need to do all this kind of stuff. And, really, you know, let them worry about that. But when Leinster are playing, they do need uh, – Leo and, and Stuart and the, the Felipe and the team have to do is bring the team together and and put, you know, instill that culture that's, that Leinster have created over the past few years and uh, let them go out and do it. And if they, if they can manage that, and there's no reason to think they can't, um, you know, they can, they can go really far. I mean, this is a big, big series of matches coming up. We've got these two, then we've got three interprovincials, including Ulster, who are, who are mm. literally right there with us in the Pro 14. Um, any slip up against them and, and we don't have a home semifinal. Um, and then we've got two more European matches again for the Six Nations. So this is a big, big block of matches coming over Christmas. When you consider that those test players have just had four, five, six matches in, in, in just a number of weeks, that's a lot of, uh, lot of attritional rugby for them to get through. So it's going to take a lot of uh, playing around with the squad. So hopefully, hopefully they're able to do it, you know? Yeah, and, and the momentum of the game in general uh, in Ireland is, is going to keep rolling on until, until we get into the Six Nations next year, you know? And then we get into the, into the business end of Europe and, and business end of the league. So whether it's by fluke or by actual design, um, the momentum of the game for this season, whatever season this is, uh, is going to be non-stop, which is great. The only, again, the only big sad part of it is that we're not sitting in a, sitting in a stadium. I think the reason I'm feeling the cold now is I haven't been in the RDS in November, so I haven't built up that extra layer immunity. of hair to keep myself yeah. warm. Yeah. You know, I haven't been in the igloo. That, so, that, is, that know, really that's... is herd immunity. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's, I think that's why I'm feeling the cold now, but uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, next year we can we can get everyone back together and, and and get that crack going again, which would be great for everybody. Yeah, it's tough because I mean we we've, we've already seen over the summer we saw matches uh, down under uh, being played with full stadiums, New Zealand and now Australia, and now even over the England football matches is uh, starting to bring in a few fans. So want to be impatient. I mean, Ireland have tended to be a bit more cautious about these things, and I suppose you don't want them doing anything until they know it's right. But sure, even yeah. Ulster, even Ulster have had fans Ulster, yeah. up in the Kingspan. So um, you think they might let in a few, a few, a few maybe over the Christmas, special Christmas present for Leinster fans. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Few, it'll probably be like, it'll be like the Hunger Games or something, or Gladiators from back in the day where they, they pit us all against each other for a ticket, you know, like uh, Stuart and Leo's Willy Wonka's rugby factory or whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely all be up for that. That's for sure. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> but, uh, we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what happens there. But listen, like you say, the the overall when it comes to Irish rugby, you've got the national team, um, you know, ups and downs, but it was definitely a net positive um, and reason for optimism in the new year. Um, then you got the provinces. I mean, you know, Connacht have lost a couple of matches, but they're still they're st they're still up there, and they've got a European campaign to look forward to. And then you got the other yep. three provinces. It's not just us that's hundred percent. We're all hundred percent at the moment, and all playing good rugby, and all bringing up some young players. You got Rob Little. I know he's injured now, but up in Ulster, and players like that coming mm -hmm. through up there. You got young Ben Healy and Craig Casey over in Munster. Yeah. A lot of players coming through the ranks, and uh, so it's definitely. I mean. 
as bad and all in 2020 is and as desperate we are for anything that's good, you, you don't have to make up and ignore stuff to see that there's good things about Irish rugby at the moment, that's for sure. Absolutely. And before I forget, happy birthday, Connacht. I think 135 years old today. Yeah. So uh, uh, it's the coldest place in the world uh, when you play rugby on New Year's Day. Um, so yeah, the, the coldest I've ever been in my life was actually uh, New Year's Day in the sports ground where we should have lost. But um, I was queuing for hot whiskey and uh, they ran out. So I think one of my toes fell off that day. But happy birthday uh, regardless. Yeah, the Windy City, they'll have no trouble blowing out the candles out there, that's for sure. You can guarantee that. <laughs> Listen, man, it was a great, it was a good chat. Uh, I took a couple of weeks off from the pod just to get a break, but um, that was a good, good, confident way of getting back into it. So um, hopefully, hopefully, you know, we'll have some good rugby over the next few weeks to, to look forward to. Absolutely. Stay safe. That's the main thing. And hopefully, see, I'll see you in 3D at some point in the next while. Indeed, definitely. Okay, thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. That's it for this week. Thanks as always to Kigo for the chat. Be sure to check out his site, thecouchpunditireland.com. You'll find a link in the program notes, where I've also put one to my own Ireland v Scotland write-up. Coming up this week on harplandrugby.net, we have our regular features like the front five quotes and links every morning, a list of upcoming rugby on Irish TV on Thursday, and a Montpellier v Leinster preview on Friday. If you want to get involved in our discussion, be sure to hop on our Facebook page soon after the full-time whistle. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Salon.